I must be said. Uh, thanks for joining us. It should be uh, an interesting show. Interesting weekend of hockey, as it turned out. Um, now, I did say last week I would have a co-host with me this week, but uh, it didn't work out, unfortunately. Timetables didn't match up, and in our circumstance, um, work takes priority, unfortunately. So, uh, next week, fingers crossed. It'll work out. That guest will still be joining us, but uh, a bit later on down the track. Um, yeah, it's the way things go sometimes. Let's crack into the results, shall we? I said it was an interesting weekend. And boy, didn't it start off in a bizarre fashion in Argentina at Senard, Buenos Aires. It was Argentina taking on Germany in both the men's and women's game. I think a lot of people were looking forward to this weekend's hockey from Argentina with... Uh, both the men and women in action, Germany, the Netherlands and Argentina. And, uh, wow, Friday night at uh, 6.30pm it kicked off and it kept going and it kept going and three and a half or so hours later the game finished. Now, rain, weather, inclement weather, thunder and more importantly lightning had a huge part in the, the dis- delays that went on during that particular game. Um it's really unfortunate. Uh, there's nothing any sports governing body can do about it. I'm pretty sure even FIFA or the IOC can't arrange for the weather. Um, and you just got to suck it up, don't you? And once the game starts, it starts. You've got to take it through to its conclusion. And what that meant was the women got on. They had their three-and-a-half-hour classic, and unfortunately that meant the men couldn't. Now, I'm trying to figure out exactly the circumstances of how all this happens, and it's a bit up in the air, and it's a bit airy-fairy. Um, I'm not sure if the Germany-Argentina game was canned. The men's game was canned because they ran out of time, essentially. The game was due to get underway at 9pm. Um, or whether it was, in fact, the inclement weather and they just went, you know, we're just, it's not worth it. We've seen what happened in the women's game. We're going to call it off. Now, what that means for the men's game, we'll discuss a little bit later on the program when we get to the tables. But the women did get through a game. Somehow or another, they managed to do it. And, uh, well, it turned out to be a thrilling game too, in amazing conditions. Um, it's a different spectacle, isn't it? It's not the, the wonderfully skilled display that you would expect from the, these two teams. You gotta dig in. That doesn't mean there were not some great skill on display. But, um, it, uh, finished in a two-all draw. Argentina scored first early on in the third minute. Number 12, uh, Delfina Marino, the captain. What a surprise. She'd be getting on the goal sheet. A field goal there. Uh, that put them 1-0 up at quarter time and again through to half time. A stalemate very much between the two teams. Admittedly, it's very hard to get any sort of uh, rhythm going when you so many breaks in a game. Such long breaks as well, it must be said. Uh, then we got to the 37th minute. 
into the second half and Germany pegged a goal uh, thanks to number 28 uh, Rebecca Grote managed to slot one in there from a penalty corner and they followed up two minutes later in the 39th minute through number 14 uh, Yanni Muller-Wieland and, and once again a captain's goal and uh, she put the Germans 2-1 up uh, but before the three-quarter time whistle had blown Argentina managed to draw a goal back through number four Rosario Luchetti in the 43rd minute so that left the scores locked at tall at three-quarter time and again through to full time the score still at 2 all. then we came to the shootout interesting shootout it must be said uh, seven shots in all taken by both sides after five shots teams were locked at 3 all. that meant we had to go into the southern death part of the shootout uh, another two shots were taken by both sides and it was uh, Carla Rebecki on the seventh shot for the Argentinians that uh, scored the winner so Argentina taking the bonus point there bonus point that is they didn't win the game more on that later uh, winning that shootout 4-3 so that gives them the bonus point and well, what do you say after a game like that it's very hard to draw any conclusions out of it whatsoever um, the, the girls did amazing to try and stay concentrated and, and get on with the game when they had to the conditions were appalling but you know what You've got to put up with the conditions. That's part of what sport's all about, is overcoming the obstacles that are placed in front of you, be they weather, be they the opposition, whatever it happens to be. And congratulations to both teams for getting through and at least getting the game out and into the public view. It's the longest hockey game ever, I think, that particular one. What that meant for the men, as I mentioned, was game cancelled. Now, it's very difficult to find out actually what that means. The FIH did put up a social media post saying both teams would be given one point. I'm not sure how that works out because when we go through the tables, we'll try and figure it out. Um, doesn't appear as yet that as that's been factored in. But more importantly, what does that do to the percentage? Because remember, teams are not ranked on points. They are ranked on percentage, which is calculated from the number of goals scored from the number of goals available. I didn't come up with it. It's not my idea. I just have to talk about it. That takes us through the Friday's fixtures. Just the one game on the Saturday, and it was Great Britain taking on China at the Wujin Hockey Stadium in Shangzhou. That game got underway at 2pm, which happened to be 2pm for me here in Perth, so I got a good look at that particular game. Um, it was a very interesting game, it must be said. Uh, China opened the scoring in the 11th minute through... Um, well, a well-scored goal to number 11, Mayu Liang. Um, yeah, it was one that was hit in from overhead. Uh, in the old days, you wouldn't have been able to score a goal like that, but you can these days. And uh, it probably caught the defence a little bit napping. Not so much napping, but I, I don't think they were expecting it to come, that's for sure. I think they might have actually been waiting for the whistle to blow. But the umpires played on, as is uh, the rules these days, and bang, in she went. It took until the 20, 20th minute into the uh, the second quarter after China led 1-0 at quarter time for Great Britain to strike back. They did through number 22, uh, Elizabeth Neal, and she scored a great field goal there to draw the, le- the game. And then Great Britain, two minutes later, the 22nd minute, scored again. Giselle Ansley picking up a, a goal there from a penalty corner um, to make it 2-1. And uh, there the score stayed for quite a long time until the 59th minute and China managed to 
gained a penalty corner and scored through number two, which is Bing Fang Gu. And, uh, well, it must be said, China withdrew their keeper at uh, what's now becoming the standard six or seven minutes out from the final. Uh, Rick Charlesworth's theory, the, uh, I believe it's an ice hockey theory. Uh, so China pulled their keeper and were playing with 11 outfielders. Now, remember, no one has goalkeeping privileges, so that is actually an 11th player on the field as opposed to someone that has to sit back a little bit and play that that sweeper. They can go anywhere. And it was very interesting to see the tactics of both teams going into those final few minutes. Now, I must admit, I was I was a bit disappointed that Great Britain couldn't score against a team that doesn't even have a kicking fullback. Uh, and at times I thought the idea of playing a player behind the last Chinese defender is uh, a wasted opportunity. You're wasting your player there because... And I'm not sure that was a coaching staff. I think the players were deciding to do that, try and seagull from the back. Um, if you're playing there, you're useless because you're giving the team that's taken their goalkeeper off a numerical advantage up the field. And you're waiting on them to make mistakes to score a goal. Um it's not a smart play, I wouldn't have thought. And uh, China capitalised on, on that and and really took a lot of field control, especially in the last few minutes. And it was disappointing, personally, to see that the, the Great Britain couldn't slot another one. I mean, when, you, when you've got no goalkeeper, don't worry about sliding in at the back and trying to steal a goal. Get at the top of the D and crack it, because no one is putting their foot in the way. You can guarantee that. Um and maybe I'm sure Great Britain would be looking at that and the coaching staff would be looking at it and saying, look, girls, you've got to be in front of that last defender. You've got to put them under pressure. If you're standing behind them, you're taking yourself out of the game and you're giving them an advantage at a time when your team should have the advantage. So that game went to a shootout and uh, we saw some very interesting shots on goal during that shootout, didn't we? Uh, the Chinese girl who basically bounced the ball on a stick and ran into the goals and plumped it over the top. Very clever. Uh, but it was Great Britain that uh, took out that shootout. Uh, China had gone two goals ahead uh, at the end of the third shot, but uh, couldn't score with either of their final two shots, and the uh, Great Britain team could. So they won that shootout and the bonus point by three goals to two. That takes us through to uh, Sunday's games, and thankfully the weather was a lot finer in Argentina on the Sunday than it was on the Friday. First up at 4pm on the Sunday afternoon was the men at uh, Senad in Buenos Aires and it was uh, a very interesting game, a, a closely fought game. Netherlands got the scoring underway in the 8th minute thanks to number 18, Bjorn Kellerman uh, and they, that was from a field goal. Then Argentina uh, struck back in the 13th minute. Number 10, Matthias Paredes scored a field goal. Uh, just before quarter time, Netherlands pinched the lead thanks to number 2, Lars Bolk. He scored off a penalty stroke in that 14th minute, which led the score at quarter time 2-1 in favour of the Netherlands, and that stayed that way uh, throughout the rest of the second first half to be 2-1 in favour of the Netherlands at half-time. Third period, both teams got on the scoreboard. Argentina in the 31st minute, just after half-time, and it was number 10, Matthias Paredes, who managed to uh, score the goal there. A nice little double so far for Matthias. But uh, Netherlands backed up pretty quickly after that in the 34th minute. Once again, Lars Bolk scoring off a penalty corner. 
So at three-quarter time, the Netherlands led 3-2 over Argentina. But it was Argentina who came out strongest in the final quarter. In the 54th minute, they drew the game thanks to a goal to number 12, Lucas Villa from a field goal. And then just before full-time, they broke the deadlock, the 58th minute. Once again, Lucas Villa was the man on the spot, uh, this time from a penalty corner to give the Argentinians a 4-3 victory over the Netherlands. A uh, hard-fought win for the Argentinians. They needed the points, that's for sure. And for the Netherlands, well, I'm not sure how they'll be uh, looking at this game. It was very much a, I don't want to say B team because they're all bloody good players, uh, but certainly you'd have to say that six or seven or perhaps eight of their top-line starting 16 was missing from that particular game. Um, and it was a, certainly a point noted by many of the Dutch hockey followers, uh, including our mate Ernst. He did point that out to us. Uh, but, you know, Netherlands should still be happy with that result, I would, I would think, considering that so many of their first-choice players were out. And they were very much in the game. It could have gone either way. The 58th-minute goal seals it for Argentina. Um, and they scored three themselves, so... Not a bad outing, you wouldn't have said. And uh, we'll get on to something more about the goal scoring very, very soon. And the second game of the day was played at 18.30, so 6.30pm once again in Senard. Argentina versus the Netherlands on the women's side of it. And what an intriguing game this was. Argentina opened the scoring just before quarter time in the 14th minute. It was number 25, uh, Silvina D'Elia. Uh, opening the score there from a penalty corner. Uh, but just after quarter time, the Netherlands uh, drew that game back up uh, thanks to number 15 in the 17th minute. Uh, Frederic Matla managed to put a field goal in. One all at that stage, and it was not until the 34th minute, just after half time, that uh, the Netherlands managed to uh, break that deadlock. It was number 18. Uh, Pierre Sanders who managed to score from a penalty corner to give him a 2-1 lead and there it stayed until the final whistle uh, very hard fought game by both teams um, I'm not sure how much Friday night would have taken out of the Argentinian girls not necessarily physically but certainly the mental aspect of you know, playing, sitting around, waiting such a long period of time um, you know, that's sort of stuff that there's no real uh, metrics for. You just sort of have to discuss it, really, don't you? Um, I'm sure it would have affected every individual player in different ways. But a very hard-fought win to the Dutch girls there. And that was a very interesting weekend of hockey results. <laughs> Listening to Totally Pro League. My name's John Lee, and it's time now that we get and have a look at what all those match results mean for the goal scoring and for the tables. Let's start with uh, the men, shall we? We'll start with, uh, or actually, we'll start with the women because the men might take us a little bit longer to get through. Let's have a look at those, the goal scorers for the women. Uh, Olivia Merry still leads the goal scoring tally for the ladies. Uh, she's from New Zealand and she scored five goals, three of them field goals, one penalty corner and one penalty stroke. Uh, next is uh, Frederick Matler, thanks to her goal on the weekend. She's now scored three goals, a field goal, penalty goal, penalty corner and a penalty stroke. She's got the full house there. And Giselle Ansley from Great Britain is uh, up there as well on two goals, 
one from penalty corner, one from penalty stroke, and there's a whole pile of girls on one goal. Uh, we've been talking about the goal-scoring averages after... Uh, 16 games played on the women's side of things. They've scored 54 goals, 30 field goals, 21 penalty corners and 3 penalty strokes, which uh, also happen to be scored by the three top scorers in the league, just quietly. They've all scored a penalty stroke and no one else has. That's 54 goals, which gives us an average of 3.3 goals per game, which is the same as it was last week. So... uh, Looks like things are steady there on the ladies' side of things. On the men's side for the goal scorers, well, after 14 games have been played, we've had a total of 84 goals scored, 63 field goals, 19 penalty corners and just two penalty strokes. Hugo Inglis from New Zealand is the top men's scorer. He's scored four goals, which when you think about it, considering how many goals have been scored, is probably a, a little bit lower than you might think the top scorer has scored after no, they've only played three or four games as a team I suppose so it's not a bad effort he scored from a penalty stroke though one of the only two players that has uh, Jacob Anderson from Australia has three goals and Thierry Brinkman from the Netherlands he's also on three there's a few others there as well Adam Dixon, Jerome Hertzberger, Phil Roper uh, Lucas Villa they're all on three goals as well and then a whole pile of players on two goals and one goal uh, as I mentioned, 84 goals scored across the 14 games, which leads us to an average of six goals per game. Having said that, last week, the average after 12 games played was 6.4 goals, and the week before that, it was about 7.3. So that's starting to, uh, the goal scoring starting to slow down just a little bit, and perhaps Colin Batch was uh, right about what's going to happen to the scoring once the team settled down a little bit more and it gets a bit more cutthroat as the season progresses. Uh, that goal scoring average should probably drop down a little bit more, you'd think. What about the tables? We'll go to the women first because the men's is problematic a little bit. And uh, as they stand at the moment, the Netherlands have played four games, had three wins and only the one loss. They're sitting at 75%. Australia have played the one more game, five games, three wins and a shootout win. However, they're only on 73.3%, remembering it's uh, the percentages calculated from the number of points you obtained from the number of points that were available. Belgium are in third place. Just the three games, they're on 66.7%. Argentina have played four games now. They're on 58.3%. Germany played the three games for 55.6%. New Zealand have got five games. They'd be a bit disappointed they're running at less than 50%. They're on 40% at the moment, just the two wins from their five games and three losses, unfortunately. They haven't been able to pick up any uh, bonus points for uh, a shootout win or a loss. They've lost them all. Uh, Great Britain, they've played the three games and uh, picked up their first points uh, thanks to their shootout bonus point, and uh, that gives them a total of 22.2%. The United States have picked up one point from a shootout loss, so they're at 16.7% from the, the two games they've played. And China have played three games, just the one shootout loss. So I thought they were pretty good against Great Britain and unlucky uh, not to pick up at least another point or uh, perhaps even win that game. Uh, 11.1% at the moment. That's the table for the women. 
And a little bit of a change from last week's table there for the women. Argentina were the number one ranked team last week. They dropped down to four. Australia at second, they retained that place. Uh, the Netherlands have gone to number one ranking this week after being third last week. And Belgium uh, were fourth last week and they're now in third place. So there's a movement starting to happen there as well as teams starting to settle down into perhaps the natural order of things. Now let's get to the men. Might take a little bit of time because it's a little bit problematic this week with the the game that was cancelled between Argentina and Germany. Now that game will not be replayed. Uh, there won't be a chance for those teams to meet up again. The game has just been cancelled. Now, from what I managed to read and find out, the, the FIH has awarded them both a point. However, that doesn't seem to be reflected in the latest tables, and I'm not sure it's actually the right thing to do, but we'll discuss that in a minute. How does it work out? Well, after uh, the 14 games played, Belgium sit on top of the table in first position. They've played four. They have two wins, a shootout win and a shootout loss. They're on 75%. Great Britain have played the three games. They've had a couple of wins. They're on 66.7%. Australia have played four games for the two wins. That's hit their percentage a little bit, 58.3%. Netherlands have played the four games, but only the one victory that puts them at 50%. Germany have played three. Uh, they've only won the one, though. That puts them at 44.4%. As have Argentina, three played for just the one victory and 44%. Spain have had the three uh, played games. No victories, but they have had two shootout wins. So it gives them four points overall, and from their three games, 44.4%. We're all New Zealand languishing at the bottom at the moment, just 8.3% winning up, just picking up the one shootout loss point in the four games they've played there. Now let's have a look and find out what the cancelled Argentina-Germany game means for the table. Last week, uh, the table listed Argentina as having played one game for one loss, no points, no nothing, 0%. Germany were listed as having played two games, one win, one loss, uh, three points out of their um, available six points, so they were at 50%. This week, Argentina have played three, so the, that game has been credited to them. One win and one loss, which is three points. However, they have been credited with a point from the uh, cancelled game. Just the one point puts them on 44.4%. Germany, likewise, they've been credited with a point. However, it's not reflected on the table where that point is. It's just been added to their points column. They're not calling it a shootout win or a loss. It's just thrown in there. And they're also on 44.4%. Now, they've been credited. Those percentages are worked out on the basis of points available versus points gained. So Germany scored four points from what the FIH are claiming is nine available points, 44%, as have Argentina, four points from an available nine. If a game's cancelled, are any points available? I think both of these teams have been hard done by by the fact that they never, they've been given one point for a draw without never having the, had the opportunity to win. So perhaps they should say they got one point from the one available. Although, does that skew the statistics in another way as well? If you if you looked at it as they they were given one point from the one available, that would make it four from seven, which would boost that percentage tremendously, as opposed to four from nine. Uh, but I think it's 
it's slightly unfair to uh, say there were three points available and they only scored one when there were no points available to them whatsoever. I don't know if there's an answer. Perhaps there's a mathematician out there amongst you who could possibly give us a, an answer to what would be a, perhaps a fairer way. Um, considering the fixturing, I can't blame the FIH for going, no, no, we're not going to play that game again. Although, considering Argentina are going to be rolling through Germany uh, again and through Europe, perhaps they could play that game at a neutral venue in Europe, perhaps when Germany are in Spain or when Germany are in Great Britain, Argentina could go there. So it's still an away game uh, for Germany. Uh, it's problematic. There's lots of issues with it. Um, one of the disappointing things is we haven't really got much out of the FIH about exactly all we've been told is we're not going to replay it. They've both got a point. Uh, no explanations for whys, wherefores, which is a little bit disappointing. I, I can understand whether the hands are tied as far as the weather goes. You can't do jack about that. you just got to put up with that. And, you know, they, they couldn't have played the game. They couldn't have played the game. It's just unfortunate that I don't think it's been very well thought through as far as how that relates to this percentage system that they're using to rank teams. I think it was it was just a point system. And look, boys, you're just getting a point each and then be done with it. That would be fine. However, you're talking about a percentage system that's based on uh, how many goals you could have got versus how many goals you actually did get. Well, neither of those teams could have got any goals because the game was never played. So that's going to skew things up a whole myriad of ways. If you've got an answer, send it to us at the reverse stick. John, at the reverse stick. .net.au and send us your email, an email as well. Anything to do with this particular show that you'd like to hear or you don't want to hear or any of your thoughts and opinions. <laughs> I'm just putting in another little gap here and uh, if you're listening to last week you'll know these little gaps are where an advertisement could possibly go. The idea is that we do start putting little ad breaks in and trying to flog this show once we get it up and running to broadcasters who might be interested in it. Still working on it obviously as you can tell. You need co-hosts to really get these things up and running and probably need some audio as well. I've been asking the FIH, I've asked if I can use audio and stuff, I haven't heard back, they haven't said no which is a good thing, although I think we're getting to the stage where we might just start using a little bit and give them the opportunity to say no And this is hockey, it's totally pro league and it's time now to have a look at a couple of little issues that might have bobbed up in and around the place. You mentioned the, uh, the whole bonus point thing with the uh, the table there and how that's working out in percentages. I must admit, I'm not a big fan of the, the system at the moment. Um, you know, the FIH had to come up with something to get the competition up and running, and this is the model they've worked on. I think we can all accept that this is pretty much what you might call a demo year or a, a beta version of the Pro League, and that I'm sure there's there's things about the Pro League that we're seeing this year that won't be around in the future and likewise there'll be other things that come in that we perhaps haven't even considered yet. Um, now on the on the question of bonus point for this shootout, having a shootout for the bonus point, it is creating confusion. Even the FIH is getting confused when they put up social media posts saying a team won a game 
when no they didn't win they drew the game and they had to uh they they got a bonus point for drawing the game uh which is really interesting uh, to to use the term win uh, when you gain a bonus point. Now, the FIH said, oh, well, that, that's to ensure every game has a winner. Well, they, they didn't win the game. They drew the game. Everybody knows they drew the game. And when you see posts that say, oh, so-and-so win shootout, well, you don't win anything with a shootout except a bonus point. You gain a bonus point. Okay, that's a system we've got. We'll work with it for this year. But I think moving forward, we've got to try and tweak it a little bit. I was never in favour of the idea of the only time you get to play for a bonus point is when you can't win a game. That to me seems a little bit... If they were going to have the the shootout why, or bonus points available, why not make it available to everybody? If the shootout is that big a deal and you're so happy to have it, just have a shootout after every game. Uh, you know, you play for your three points and then you have a shootout and you might pick up a bonus point here or there. Frankly, I'd just get rid of the shootouts altogether as far as it goes for giving bonus points and I would be more inclined to use the rugby union system of bonus points around goal scoring so you could lose a game and still pick up points uh, in high scoring games for instance you might have a, a base limit of if you score four goals in a game regardless of the result you get a bonus point uh, if you score four goals in a game and lose by less than one you get a bonus point uh, there's lots of different permutations this can this can work around but it still leaves the primacy of the game the 60 minutes of the game intact the winner gets X the loser gets zero and if you draw you draw sometimes life is like that if sport is this reflection of life and sometimes that's just the way life goes you are not always a winner and I know in this country we have many arguments around uh, bar tables about the idea that every kitty gets a prize. Life is not like that. You do not always win a prize. Sometimes you work and you work real hard and it doesn't work out for you. And it's part of building character, I would suggest, and not a fan of it at all, especially not when people start adding the tag win to games that teams didn't win my opinion you might have a different one and I'd love to hear it but the, the bonus point system definitely needs to, to have some sort of tweaking in uh, the years ahead and I would suggest that we do follow the idea that's of, of rugby union reward, reward scoring through the bonus point system be your winner or loser and perhaps you could even uh, give out bonus points for you know win by more than five goals bang there's a bonus point uh, there's lots of ways you could do it. It's all open for discussion, I think. And we've got to have the discussion. Uh, so the FIH know if we're not out there about their saying things, the FIH aren't going to know about what we really want. So let's get it out there and get the conversation happening. I mean, people talk to me about, oh, well, what about, you've got to have a winner after every game. You know, you should, there's nothing wrong with it. Well, why not follow the basketball uh, example, which works really, really well with that, and that's overtime extra time if a game finishes in the draw play another 10 minutes it, it really works well for basketball I mean fans love it uh, broadcasters love it. it it really works well and you're not interfering with the integrity of the com- of the game itself I mean if you think about it 60 minutes of hockey and you, you're going to take that result tear it up and, and walk away and play some other little mini game and a game of hockey goes 60 minutes it should be 70 uh, goes for 60 minutes a shootout goes for 80 seconds. 
you don't, <laughs> unless you get goes into sudden death, where it's another eight seconds every time. So we're not. We're, it, it doesn't give a true reflection of the contest that's involved. And I think if we're going to have this situation where there has to be a winner every game, then we should do it through the vehicle of extra time. Maybe we set a limit on it of two periods of extra time, and if it isn't solved by then, bang, then you have your shootout. Um, that's what I think. Anyway, love to know what you guys think. TheReverseStick.net. You can send an email. John at... <laughs> listening to Totally Pro League. Let's get on and have a look at what's coming up this week. And we're kicking off on Saturday uh, with the men and the women. They're going to be in Sydney, Australia, taking on Spain in the men's and the women are taking on the USA. It's at the Sydney Olympic Park in Western Sydney there. And uh, really looking forward to these games and hoping that they get a really big crowd out there as well uh, after the great uh, atmosphere that was at the Perth Pro League Games. It'd be really great to see Sydney turning out and really turning it on, showing the uh, the rest of the hockey world that we do love the game lots. Uh, first game is up at 3pm. That's uh, Australia's men taking on the Spanish men, and they'll be desperately looking forward to pick up some points from uh, a, a win, as opposed to just trying to steal them off our bonus point victories. Um, you know, you It'll make a big difference to their percentage if they can uh, drag up a win against Australia. And considering the amount of games Australia have played, they'd be really needing a, a victory here before they they head off to Europe and the long jaunt that's going to be in front of them there. Uh, then in the after, later on in the afternoon, it will be Australia versus the USA. That game's at 4:45 p.m. local Australian time, Eastern Australian Eastern AEST. For those of you trying to figure it out, once again at Sydney Olympic Park. And uh, the Australian women there, they're travelling nicely at the moment. The USA would be a little bit disappointed with the results so far, so they'd be looking to hit back and um, try and get themselves a little bit up the table than they currently are at the moment. Then on Sunday, we're off to Wujin in China, Shangzhou, as China take on the Netherlands women. And it'll be uh, interesting to see how much energy and enthusiasm the Netherlands girls take into this game. The China, it's a long haul for them. They've been away from home for a little time, and it's a long way to go, Changzhou, from where were they last week, New Zealand or Argentina? Argentina. So uh, <laughs> oh, the flight alone would have been a headache. Uh, that's on Sunday at 2 p.m. local time in China. Then we get to some midweek games. This is really interesting. On Tuesday, the 5th uh, of March, uh, at Hockey Club Rotterdam, the Netherlands will be taking on Germany. That's a men's game. That'll be getting underway at 7 p.m. local time there in the Netherlands. And then on Wednesday, another midweek game, 2 p.m. and Shangzhou in Wujin as China take on Germany. Once again, the German girls in for a long flight there from uh, Argentina. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how those midweek games are taken, not only by the crowd. I think in uh, the Netherlands they'll be fine with the 7 p.m. time uh, start. Uh, you get the opportunity to get the crowds in there to watch that particular game. Uh, the China game will be interesting to see how many people are there for that 2 p.m. midweek game. Uh, perhaps because a lot of people will be at work, they might get a lot of people from work to come along and have a look. Uh, should be very interesting games, the China games. I'm, I'm big 
I'm bullish, very bullish about China. Hasn't been reflected in point scoring so far, but I think as the tournament wears on, they're going to get better and get better. They're probably not going to finish in that top four position to get the Olympic qualifier necessarily, but I think it's important for them that there are other ways to qualify, and if they can keep improving, they might be a shot at the Olympics, but have to wait and see there. So uh, two midweek games coming up. It'll be interesting um, when we record the next episode of the podcast, that uh, game, the Netherlands-Germany men's game, won't, uh, will have just been played. So uh, we'll be right on top of that result. Unfortunately, the oh, no, I should be able to get that 2 p.m. start in. Might even record next week's episode while I'm watching that game. That could be the way to do it. Uh, just in time for the last quarter, perhaps. Thanks for your company today on Totally Pro League. Look, we will be having some co-hosts. You won't have to just listen to my voice endlessly over the next uh, few weeks. There will be others joining me. Uh, thanks for your company, and I hope if you've got any thoughts, opinions about uh, what we're trying to do here, let us know. You can contact me, John, at net, or get on the socials, stick at dot twitter.com dot at facebook as well just look up the reverse stick let us know what you think or what you like to hear even more that'd be more important um, thanks again look forward to your company enjoy the hockey uh, very interesting games coming up and nearly the end of the southern hemisphere joint so we'll, uh, we'll all be in Europe very shortly